3: From KQED in San Francisco, I'm Alexis Madrigal. Growing up, my own house was a stark contrast in parenting styles. My American mom delivered monologues about how much she loved us with impressive detail and recall of our smallest acts. My Mexican dad was much quieter with his love, but when I needed an SAT tutor or someone to sit through a mock trial meet, he was always just there. Maybe he rarely said those things were about love, I did have to teach him about hugging, but of course all those things were about love, And today on the show, we're talking with comedian and New Yorker contributor Megan Dirty about our beloved immigrant parents and the second-gen experience. And then we're going to talk about the god, Steph Curry, with The Athletic's Marcus Thompson. That's all next, after this news. Welcome to Forum. I'm Alexis Madrigal. We're joined today by writer and comedian Gunna Endurti. She's the author of The Extra 8,000 Miles for You, A New Shouts and Murmurs in The New Yorker that pokes fun at all the ways that immigrant parents show love to their children. Welcome to the show, Meg.
4: Hey, thank you so much for having me on.
3: Yeah. You know, we want to start out by maybe having you read some selections from the piece that may resonate with some people in our community here. So do you want to uh, pick a few and we'll... um, read them out
4: yeah absolutely all right so these are the three that i picked uh the first one i think will resonate with a lot of people um it's fruit cut up and delivered to you on a plate unsolicited the unsolicited the important part uh the less necessary it is to cut up the fruit the deeper their love for you if they're slicing bananas you are the light of their lives um let's see oh roundabout questions Immigrant parents incapable of asking, how are you? Will instead ask when you last had the oil changed in your car or if you mailed in your tax return yet. Also, have you eaten? Have you been incorporating enough milk into your diet? Whatever amount of milk you've been drinking, it's wrong. They really want you to open up. They'll put on a movie from the sixties and explain the plot in excruciating detail until you interrupt them with an update on your relationship status. And uh, the the title of the piece itself is the last one going the extra 8,000 miles for you. They left behind the only life they'd ever known to move to a foreign place called Paris, but in Ohio. They accept their new reality of not following the metric system and being served milk with a tea without milk in it they said goodbye to their friends family and their entire network to adapt to a culture where they must keep up with both the kardashians and the geico cinematic universe they did all this just to give their kids the opportunities they never had to grow up safely go to a good school and eat funnel cake at six flags
3: (laughs) so meg i have one um big question for you um yes have you been have you been getting enough milk in your diet? Just, just, I <laughs> just, have not. I was I just trying to show been. how much I loved this piece is all. I, <laughs> I really did. Um, it's, it's very good. Um, and I, yeah. I want to talk about the fruit thing in part because my father's culinary skills kind of end at making ham and cheese sandwiches. So we don't let him handle any object sharp enough uh, to cut fruit. But then I was thinking about it. He makes us smoothies. Like there is like Aww. there's like any time we'd be there he, and he called us a drink and he'd be like. Hey, you want to drink? And it'd be like, in that would be, would be, it wouldn't actually be a beer. It would be a smoothie at like six PM on a Sunday. Um, yeah,
4: he wants you to watch your health. He's so yes. it's so important. He's keeping you alive. That's their biggest love language: is keeping you alive. Um, and I want to
3: know the the sliced fruit thing. Did it get a response from other Indian families, or or broader than that?
4: Oh, yeah. Every single person that messaged me about this was like, I thought this was just my parents, but I didn't realize this was like a universal thing. And that one, like really, that one's like the one that resonated the most with people, I think. That's so interesting. And
3: not just not just in Indian cultures, like across a a whole bunch of ranges.
4: Yeah. Yeah. It's always like an apple that's like cut up or like (laughs) an orange that's peeled. It's it's really like I'm about to go home for the holidays and I cannot wait. For an apple that's cut up.
3: That plate to be put down in front of you. Welcome home.
4: <laughs> yeah. Literally. Yeah. Now, I, if I eat like a regular apple, it's just not the same. You know, I want it to be cut up. <laughs>
3: Uh, We want to hear from listeners. What are the ways that your parents cared for you that seemed unique to your family and culture? And if you uh, do have immigrant parents, how do your immigrant parents show you that they care? You can give us a call now, 866-733-6786. That's 866-733-6786. You can get in touch. Twitter, Facebook, of course. We're at KQED Forum. Or you can go to Instagram or email your questions to forum at kqed.org. Um, so uh, let's hear a little bit about your family. Where are they from and where did they put down roots in the in the U.S.?
4: Yeah, uh, we're all from Hyderabad uh, in India. It's in Telangana, uh, South India. Uh, they're both from, like, I don't know the names of the specific villages they're from, but they're both, like, from the villages, not from the city. They both kind of grew up pretty poor. Um, and we all moved here in 2001. Mm-hmm. And we moved to Massachusetts. That's where we put down our OG roots just, like the I don't know like the colonial people I guess in 1600 and and then we kind of landed on Plymouth Rock yeah yeah we did we did we came over on the Mayflower it was very American and no we took Delta Airlines uh that's how we (laughs) got here (laughs) and then yeah and then we kind of moved up and down the east coast just because uh my dad was on a specific visa so we just had to go wherever he could find work and that was often in Maryland Virginia all over
3: yeah. I mean, you tell a funny joke in one of your up routines where you say, you know, my dad always likes to say he came over here with you know only five dollars in his pocket. You're like, <laughs> yeah, but he had a lot of money in his bank account. Was it like that, that they that they, they really were working kind of like hand to mouth or did your family have a sort of like more middle class upbringing?
4: Uh, my mom had a bit more lower middle class. My dad, they started off like pretty poor and then there were, it's like five of them, five sons. And they all, it was very like rags to riches. Like, like they were like the OG Cardi B, you know? Like they really like came from nothing and then like worked all the way up. So then by the time we came to America, like my dad was definitely more middle class, upper middle class than when he grew up, yeah.
3: Yeah, yeah. And your dad seems to be the target of most of your jokes. (laughs) Is that because he's a better straight man than your mom? Like, how come he gets to be the brunt of all the jokes and not your mom?
4: Because he's like such a stereotypical immigrant dad like he's so stoic like that's like it's so fun like at first like when I was growing up I really hated it but now I think it's really funny that he just doesn't react to anything. He wasn't like a hugger he didn't say I love you to me till 2015 like he was just like every single stereotype of an immigrant dad it's so funny to me.
3: You know, it's funny. I, I come to appreciate it more. Like When I was, you know, in my early 20s or even um, in I, high school, the fact that, like, my dad was more stoic, would sometimes bother me. Like one time I asked him if he was happy and he just looked at me like, why are you asking me this question? Like, what are you even talking about? And, you know, then as I saw my American parents, uh, like my friends of of mine, their parents just kind of like fall apart and like lean on them for all this emotional support and tell them all about their divorces and stuff. I started to be like, hey, you know what? Maybe this wasn't such a bad way. So have you come to appreciate maybe some of the way that your father moves in the family?
4: Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's so funny that you asked, are you happy? Because it's like, I remember telling my dad, like, in college at some point, uh, I was like, I don't think I'm happy. And he's like, OK, like, he was like, <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he was like, he was like We're, he's that's like, a feeling like you could have.
3: Yeah. <laughs>
4: <laughs> he's like, that's fine. He's like, I'm not happy either. And I was like, oh, OK, <laughs> it was never like, oh, he was like, yeah, OK, like, he's like, I'm stressed, too. Like, he's like, I'm I have a cold right now. I have to commute an hour to work like he was he was like oh I never like prioritize happiness I was just I'm just kind of in the moment which is like a very interesting way to think about life like just like accepting the fact that you're not always going to be happy um it is something that I've come to appreciate like especially now because I think I tend to be a bit more stoic too so I get like like when sometimes my friends will cry about stuff and I'm like yeah man that sucks uh and like I'm like a lot better at like keeping it together. And I think I learned a lot of that from him. He's just always kind of like a, like a, like I'm sure you relate to this too, but he's just always like a solid rock that you can rely on. He's never Mm -hmm. like the person you have to take care of.
3: So your dad does cooperate at least somewhat. You get him to like swivel in chairs and things. He never talks, but you (laughs) get him to do stuff in your TikToks and your, um, does he cooperate in a broader sense in your career? Like, is he like, oh yeah, this is, this is great for you
4: um absolutely not he does not do that um he doesn't still understand what I do even the tiktoks I kind of direct him and he still doesn't understand why they're funny um people on the internet are like obsessed with him and he's like why is this funny and I'm like that's okay dad you don't have to get it but he's like you know what you whatever you're doing seems to be working out so good for you but he does not interfere at all that's great. And
3: what about you know? Not all immigrant parents are the same, of course. You know, we're poking fun no. here, but we, of course, know it's it's um, not a monolithic set of parents. Is your For is sure. your mom different? Is she is she on the like you know your side of immigrant love?
4: Yeah, it is interesting. Um, She wasn't always, but I don't know, maybe like watching Full House kind of changed her (laughs) or like affected her because she definitely like around middle school started being a lot more like tender and loving and stuff. And so that was kind of like a nice balance with my dad, who is like zero percent. And then she kind of had to do the hundred percent to make up for it. She's a lot more. She's she's more of a hugger for sure.
3: For sure. So. You know, on a craft level, I have one question is one reason comedians work with their immigrant parent material is it's also that's the best impression that you can do. It's like of your of your parents, because you've just heard that voice so many times and can kind of drop into it.
4: Yeah, I, I think so. And I think it's also just like a huge part of like your identity, like you just like real, I mean, it's like, I feel like all of therapy and Instagram infographics are about like your childhood. And it's like, that just shapes so much of who you are. And I think like comedy stand up at its best is like when you're really talking about your own perspective. And a lot of that is informed by your parents. And if you grew up with like immigrant parents, like there's a lot of like cultural divides you have to navigate a lot of like emotional things. So I think like, it just makes sense. that you would talk about that because it affects dating. It affects work. It affects everything.
3: Yeah. Yeah.
4: Yeah.
3: Um, I like their, we have some listener comments coming in. Some of which uh, are cool. Masha tweets. One of the ways my immigrant Russian parents show love is by constantly thinking we're hungry and cold. It's December outside and you're not wearing a hat, but mom, we're in California. So (laughs) Uh, do your parents do that? Do they have, I imagine maybe it's not cold though. Or maybe it is.
4: Oh my god they oh that is so true what she said yeah they're always like they're like so obsessed with making sure i'm layered up like at the like especially when i lived in chicago they would call and be like are you wearing a coat i'm like yeah i'm wearing a coat it's negative 30 outside like do you think i wouldn't grab a coat on my way out but they're so like obsessed with making sure that i'm like bundled up in every, i think that's been every christmas present has been like 15 scarves. <laughs> another yeah. layer yeah yeah <laughs> yeah
3: uh, we're talking about how immigrant parents express affection with comedian Megan Dirty, who has piece in New Yorker titled How Immigrant Parents Show Their Love. It actually has two titles, the way that Internet things often do now. And Killing Mosquitoes is definitely also on that list. What are the ways that your parents cared for you that seemed unique to your family and culture? And if you do have immigrant parents, how do they show you that they care? Maybe in ways that uh, are beyond saying I love you. Call now, 866-733-6786. That's 866-733-6786. You can also get in touch on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, or KQED Forum. Or you can email your questions or your stories about your hilarious and beloved parents to forum at kqed.org. And actually, you know that I think about it? If you are an immigrant parent, I'd love to hear the other side of this. Do your kids make fun of you for things? I would love to hear about that. Um, You can call, too, 866-733-6786. And I'm Alexis Madrigal. We'll be back with more after the break. Welcome back to Forum. I'm Alexis Madrigal. We're talking about how immigrant parents express affection with comedian Megan Dirty, who has a piece in The New Yorker titled How Immigrant Parents Show Their Love. want to start adding some callers into the show. We have uh, Yusra from Palo Alto. Welcome to the show.
6: Hi. Thanks very much for having me. I really love this segment. Um, so um, my... Immigrant parents, and I'm an immigrant as well myself, but I came in younger. Um, We all have this sort of life, very tight-knit family. And actually, everything has been said so far uh, is very, very, very true for my (laughs) family as well. Um, But I wanted to add one more piece, which is um, my mom, um, and she's the matriarch in the family. We have that sort of thing. Um, She brings in all the grandchildren every summer, um, so all the grandchildren get together. And hang out in their house for about two months um, where they eat, drink, um, poop, play, have does their laundry, feed them, take them places, entertain them. Oh, man, I want to go there. Overs. That sounds great. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you, it's, uh, it's heaven, you know. And I just want to say. Thank you to my parents, because it's been really a magical time of their lives um, since they were like five, six years old and they are now teenagers. Mm. And they just look forward to every summer for having that pleasure. Um, they, and they take them also camping and they take them, you know, they teach oh. them how to garden. So a lot of good things happen during that time. Oh, and I just so want to say thank you for that. Thank
3: you so much for, for that. I, I want to pick up on one element of that, which was the laundry My dad is a monster laundry doer. Like there is never, there are never dirty clothes in our house sitting. They're just, the laundry gets done, boom, like right away every single time.
4: Oh my God, same. Like oh, during college coming home with like a giant like trash bag of clothes and my mom would just like do laundry for hours. Oh my God, it's the best service in the world.
3: (laughs) You know, you can just pay for that at a laundromat, but it's not the same. It's not the same. same.
4: same. They fold it differently. It's different. I can't explain.
3: Um, we have some other, um, we have some other great comments coming in. I want to get to a few of them? Holly writes, "My Russian Jewish immigrant grandmother used to cu- me, used to bring me cut up fruit on a little platter. I was always in awe of her skill of peeling an apple with a knife, and the peel would unwind in one long coil. And yes, cut up bananas or dried apricots or dates. God forbid I should starve." After dinner, but she and her generation grew up having to steal apples from orchards, and she got in trouble when she gave the family's cup of milk to the cat. During the Depression here, she would look for discarded Coca-Cola bottles to redeem for a coin to buy a cookie for my mom and aunt to share. She would go without lunch. As annoying as all the food in the face could be sometimes, it did come from love and having known real hunger. Oh, man. Thanks for that,
4: Holly. Oh, wow. That's so true. Yeah. They didn't always... Uh, yeah. Yeah. That's so true. Yeah, especially because my parents had to, like, grow up with, like, four other people. Like, sure, they had to, like, share food. So they're like, here, here's a ton of food.
3: Yes, exactly. Another listener writes, I love this one. Whenever we told my mom, who's from Korea, there was an American, quote, unquote, American meal that we liked, it would be on repeat. One summer, we had Ladies Home Journal Yankee pot roast three times a week. (laughs) Dad required a triple bypass 30 years later. Those events are related. (laughs) (laughs) And I, I kind of get that though, right? Like these things that seem like very, very, very American. Um, yeah. So people like can pick up on them and just run with that.
4: Oh yeah, and then if you like mention you like one thing in like 2004, they'll buy it for you for the rest of your life.
3: <laughs> what was that in your uh, in your case? Famous Famous cookies. I think <laughs> I
4: ca- I like casually mentioned it, and they're always stocked in the cupboard. <laughs> I mean,
3: I, that one actually is, is a little bit one from our family, too. I think that might have just been a 90s thing, maybe, or yeah, two, early maybe. 2000s. Um, what about food in general? What's your relationship to kind of the, the food of Hyderabad? Like, is it something that you really think a lot about, or is it just kind of like, no, I, it's, it's fine, but I like other foods more?
4: Yeah. I mean, food is such an interesting thing, right? Cause it's like my mom used to pack like, you know, the curries and like the dosa and the idlis in my lunchbox. And and when I was growing up, I would very much like throw them away or try to hide them because like, you know, the other kids in the school would be like, Oh, what's that? It smells weird. And I was always like trying to sort of hide that. And then I think now I'm like, Oh my God, Indian food is my favorite food. Why was I like (laughs) avoiding? And now I'm like trying to learn recipes from my mom and like all the, like the hundred spices she puts in stuff like now I'm like a lot now I'm like I can't wait till I go home and get to eat her lamb curry I'm counting it down
3: my embarrassing food lunch thing has nothing to do with being Mexican but my mom instead of giving us like mom who's probably listening hi mom Um, instead of using paper (laughs) bags she would give us like clear plastic bags Um, And Mm. it was honestly like we were going through the airport, you know, like it was like that kind of bag. It was always so embarrassing (laughs) for some reason to have all the kids see your lunch items. They'd be like, oh, that's what you got, huh? You know, it's like, I don't know. It was like we were exposed. Um, That's
4: so real. My mom still does that. Like I'll be flying home from DC to Chicago and she's like, here's some chicken. I'm like, mom, I can't take this on a plane, but she'll put it in like a Costco bag and give it to me.
3: (laughs) Um, let's bring in, uh, Gigi from San Mateo. Welcome to the show.
2: Hi there. Thank you for taking my call. So, um, my parents are immigrants, um, and, uh, we grew up basically not saying I love you in the household. We just knew, um, you know, through, um, you know, other means that we, we all, It was a given that we all loved each other, but Mm -hmm. we just never said Mm -hmm. those three words. And it wasn't until the grandkids came along um, because, you know, I would always, my husband and I, we would always tell our kids, I love you. and (laughs) It's like the one thing you know
3: as an American parent, it's like you just say, I love you all the time. That's the magic (laughs) words and they'll be fine. Yeah.
2: (laughs) Yeah. Right. And so it wasn't until, you know, the grandkids came along and they would go and visit my parents and they would say, I love you to them. And my parents would say it to them. But at least for me, I I still felt awkward saying those three words to my parents. I don't Uh know why I just did. And but again, it was still a given. Of course, I love them. (laughs) But um, when my father, unfortunately, he passed away. But um, as they were taking him out of the house, the ambulance, and he was on the gurney, um, it just came out of me. And I said, I love you, Dad. And he lifted his head up. And his last words basically were, I love you, too, sweetheart. Oh. And um, oh my God! So yeah, <laughs> I'm still oh, a little choked up about that. But um, that's beautiful. But that's now beautiful. with my mom still alive, I you know we tell we tell You're each just other, slathering
3: it on now. You're just wanting. <laughs> yeah. To, yeah,
2: yeah. Oh, exactly.
3: Gigi, thank you so much for sharing that with us. That that is a beautiful story. That's really how you would want it to be if it has to be. Um, thank you so much.
4: Yeah, I didn't, my dad didn't say it to me till 2015 and it's so funny because at that point like two boyfriends had already said it and then (laughs) I didn't know how to respond. I was like, uh, yeah, totally. (laughs) I'm like, oh, what do I say?
3: You didn't say it back. You didn't just immediately, you weren't like, I've been waiting for this moment all my life. I love you too.
4: I had been waiting for it my whole life, but I, like when it actually came, I was like, oh, Uh, I wasn't expecting it. Now in this moment, it was just, it just was so left field. Uh, I did say it back. It just took me like a couple of minutes, you know, <laughs> yeah. to process it.
3: <laughs> I think we have come to a, a quite corny solution, my dad and I, but, but I would do it anyway, which is um, as long as you add man at the end of I love you, then that's actually <laughs> that like routes around whatever force field there is. So it's like, I love you, man. And then you can say, I love you too. Back without the man that's
4: so um, funny that you have to like modify it that's so funny is, yeah at the end of phone calls now i'll be like love you dad and he'll be like love you too like he'll just <laughs> say it really fast
3: <laughs> he's like i did it mark it mark it down um barbara we got some great great comments i want to uh read some of these stories they're so good um barbara writes when I'd fly from SF to LA to visit my family in the 70s, my grandfather, a Russian immigrant, would ask, how many engines did the plane have? There was a movie, I can't recall the title, about a young man leaving New York to break into showbiz, and his father asked him, how many engines does the plane have? I howled. I was the only person in the movie theater that howled. I felt so warm. That is so
4: That's so funny. funny.
3: I love that. <laughs> I, I hope I have that inside joke with somebody in the future, that when we're thinking about loving them, we'd say, how how many engines uh, did the have? <laughs>
4: so beautiful. It
3: really is. Just um,
4: replace emotion with knowledge, yeah. Yeah, that's
3: <laughs> Another <laughs> listener writes, my dad is constantly making sure we are safe. He did not want us to learn to ski. He was reluctant to give us a bike. He, was all, he always calls to make sure we got home safely. Sometimes it can feel smothering, but he knows what it is like to be safe one day and then have the world drop out from you. He doesn't say I love you, but that checkup call that we got home safe from the three-block walk home from the house to the store is his way of showing love. And you have this, uh, too, in your piece, right, Meg?
4: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah, they like inform me of every homicide in a 400 mile radius. Like, yeah, my dad wouldn't let me play soccer because he was like, I saw on a YouTube clip that you can scrape your knee. And I was like, oh, my God, seriously, like he was he was like hesitant about letting me drive like extra, extra police state careful that I would never get injured.
3: (laughs) Oh, man. Um, Let's bring in uh, Pornay from Emeryville. Welcome to the show.
2: Hi. How are you?
3: Good. Thanks for joining us.
2: Um, Thanks for taking my call. So um, I love this topic, by the way. It's so sweet. Um, So I'm in my late 40s. I live in California. My parents live on the East Coast. Um, And every time I go to visit, when I'm leaving to come back, my dad will try to give me, um, my parents are from India. They've been here for 50 years. Um, My dad will try to give me some kind of a like a flashlight or a screwdriver or <laughs> something that he's some gotten.
3: practical utensil for navigating life.
2: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and at first, I I thought, well, I don't need this. Why is he giving it to me? And then when I realized it kept happening, and I realized what he was doing, now I just think it's so sweet. And I I like think to myself, this is his way of saying I love you. You know, um, and it's just yeah. really sweet. And yeah, so. Yeah. In
4: case the plane falls apart, you got that. Screwdriver.
3: Yeah. If it only has one engine, together. then you never <laughs> exactly. know what's going to happen. Um, let's uh, bring in uh, John from San Jose. Welcome to the show, John.
7: Oh, thank you. Uh, thanks for my call. I love this topic. Um, my mom's Japanese, and um, and my mom and dad met post Korean War. What's interesting to grow up in a mixed uh, race family? There's a whole that could be a, your own other subject, but in this case. Mom's thing is about um, giving gifts. So, if you do anything for her, I mean, even take her to an early medical uh, uh, appointment, she'll have a cup of coffee in the car waiting for me, hot coffee. Or she will, I'm doing her lawn or something, and come out and she'll have a bag of goodies for me. She cannot not do that. It's like it's beyond her to just say, oh, goodbye. I love you. Uh, so, this, this whole cultural thing with Japanese is about gift giving. is is a big deal. Um, Here's a funny one. So the other day, uh, along the food, I got, um, most of your listeners may not know about what daikon is. It's a a radish. radish. Yeah, yeah, it's a pickled radish, and they dye it yellow. My mother buys too many of them. One day she came to the house to be with our grandkids, and she had chopped up an entire foot-long daikon, (laughs) put it into a very nice little package, and gave it to me. And I, I, I didn't have the heart to tell your mom I haven't eaten the last one you just gave. <laughs> so a so love language of gift giving, you know, very Japanese. It's probably in other cultures. Um, yeah. But yeah. Anyway, oh, that's,
3: that's so nice, that's John. Really also, you know, the uh, the footlong daikon is a real like, oh, thanks, you know, kind of, kind of <laughs> moment. You're just waiting for it to stink up your fridge. It's great. Um, that's, <laughs> thank hilarious. You just, that's hilarious. Thanks for that, John. Yeah. Um, Any uh, what about the other members of your family, Meg? Do they have the same relationship to your parents that you do or did they follow like a more traditional path?
4: Um, I have like a younger brother. We have a pretty similar, yeah, we have a pretty similar viewpoint to my, to me. Like he helped me kind of look over this article too. Uh, he, he was like a little, like he's, he's an engineer. So he got a little less flack from them. Cause he like followed that family path. And I was like the black sheep that was like, I'm going to be a writer and comedian. And they're like, wait, what? So I got a lot more follow-up questions than he did. That
3: makes it. Yeah. Let's, uh, another, um, fun uh, comment from listener. Eileen writes, my Lithuanian grandmother lived upstairs from us when we were little. My mother would never let us taste her morning coffee, but my grandmother would call us upstairs and give us her strong <laughs> coffee with cream. Just what my mother needed Four little kids hopped up on caffeine. My grandmother loved that we had this secret oh man grandma that is, oh. that is that's actually mean to the parents i just gotta say um <laughs> thank you for that eileen um let's bring in uh mariana from berkeley welcome to the show
8: hi there uh i just like to first comment on the what i love you means in different languages because yeah. and the use of it because now i live in uh california and i've m- migrated for from brazil but in brazil I love you is yo te amo. And that, when I was growing up, was only used for spout, between spouses. Like romantic you don't partners. tell your mom. Yeah. Exactly. So you don't say yo oh, te amo God. this and that and the other. And um, it was only here when I came to the States that with my kids, we started saying I love you all the time to everything, I love my dog, I love this, I love that, I love my neighbor, (laughs) but and you would say I love you, Mom, but they wouldn't translate it into Portuguese. Eu te amo. Because it was weird. But now we've started doing that. But you know, I even am reticent reticent about doing that because It seems a little awkward, but when you say it, you really mean it. There's, like, this deep connection. That's my first comment. The other comment, real quick, and this is because what you you guys were talking about, is that, you know, when I grew up in Brazil during the military dictatorship, um, my parents, who were not very wealthy, but they made sure that they showed their love, even though they didn't say, I love you, uh, through acts of kindness to others. So I went to hospitals with my father. My mother taught me to sew, how to cook, and all that. And they made sure we went to school every day. So now I'm a math mm. educator. My brother's an economist. And we're all, you know, doing very well because despite the I love you uh, word, uh, they showed us they so showed much it. love. Yeah. And, uh, so we're doing super Aww. great right now because of the way in which they showed us their love. So thank that's my comment, for, and yeah, thank you thank for you a great show, it,
3: Mariana. Oh, appreciate that's it. beautiful. Thanks that's so beautiful. much. And you know, Meg, let's let's uh, exactly give you right. the last word here. Yeah, I mean, yeah. like you wrote this piece; it's obviously poking fun at these uh, at these quirky ways of mm-hmm. showing love and affection. But like in the end. Does it really matter if your parents say I love you or how they say it, if, if you know that no, it's the case?
4: No, it doesn't. And you know what? It's like, it's so interesting because now, you know, I say love you to my, you know, uh, boyfriends and friends and, you know, other Passers-by, like on the street. Yeah, and, yeah. Yeah, yeah, just like <laughs> about food and stuff. You, like in America, you use love so casually and it's it, she's so right in that other cultures, love is like a lot. Deeper of a thing to say. And I think, um, you know, it's like to me, like to immigrant parents, it's like their actions are way more important than their words. They really come through for you every in every possible way. Like I had like a nightmare a week ago and I called my parents, like they're just always there for you. And so in the end, it like really doesn't matter if they say it because they show it in like a million ways.
3: Yeah. We have been talking about how immigrant parents express affection with comedian Megana and Dirty who has a piece in New Yorker titled How Immigrant Parents Show Their Love. So go read that, go watch some of Meg's stand up and then go cut some fruit for someone <laughs> that you love. Thank you so much Meg for coming on the show.
4: Yeah, thank you so much for having me on. This is yeah. really great.
3: Next up, stay tuned. We are going to talk about the god Steph Curry, breaking the three-point record in the NBA, one of the greatest players of all time. I'm Alexis Madrigal. Stay tuned for more after the break.